Amen. Thank you, ladies. Um, are you willing to go where the Lord wants you to go? Are you willing to give all to Him? Um, we're so very blessed that we have the freedom to do that without any real threat of persecution. Um, there are some occupations we think that are more dangerous than others, and sometimes we forget that uh, our missionaries oftentimes are in the, the path of danger, right? And we are to live dangerously in the sense that we should live unreservedly for the Lord Jesus Christ, and many of them do. I heard on the Christian radio yesterday or the day before that in the latest report again that Christianity or Christians are the most persecuted in the world today. And so we need to keep our brothers and sisters in prayer and pray for them. Pray for one another that we are not uh, lulled to sleep by our wonderful uh, culture uh, thinking, <laughs> by our, our, the privileges that we have, that is, I should say, and that we're willing to serve him no matter what. Uh, while you turn to Revelation chapter 4, let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could come together this morning and worship you together. Help us to focus our attention fully and completely upon you and, and help us to get a glimpse um, from your word um, how perfect, Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are, how holy, how powerful you are. And that you are still in control. You are still on that throne. You still have the power and the authority. And not only someday will we see uh, the victory, but Lord, help us to remember that you are in control today. Uh, as we go through this passage, Lord, uh, there's so much that we could dig into. Help us to just glean from it what it is that you want us to see, what it is you want us to understand, and help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, today, uh, many people will be looking, they will be watching to see what will happen, right? Maybe some of you don't like either football team but I'll be watching because it's my favorite team. So I, I, I'm rooting for the Chiefs again, of course. Oh, no, don't make me come down there. <laughs> I had the eagle flapping. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. So I'll be cheering for the Chiefs, and I might have to beat down some high school boys if they, if they lose. But anyway, no, uh, we'll be watching a lot of us, some of us won't care, and, and we all have the things that we love to watch or the things that we love to enjoy, and husbands, I hope that you will show as much desire to pay attention to your spouse uh, as you do possibly uh, an athletic event or whatever it is that you love or enjoy. That, that she gets the attention from you that she needs and deserves or doesn't deserve, but she should get nonetheless, right? <laughs> but as we think about this, there's a lot of people who will be paying attention. And they're going to be rooting pretty loudly. We need to pay attention to someone far greater. And if we had a... a the ability to get a screenshot or 
uh, a live video of our Heavenly Father in glory as John does in this passage, it would change everything. And sadly for me, it would only change everything for a little while because I am so forgetful. Reading this passage should change our perspective about everything. And yes, as I've studied it for several hours this week, um, it's easy to walk away and get back into my own world and forget. And so my prayer for you today is that you would really get an understanding of the wonderful holiness and glory of God and that you would be able to take that with you. You know, when we look at this passage, chapter 4, we see the Creator. Chapter 5, we see the Redeemer. And we see the worship of both of them. So today we're going to focus on our Creator. And we sang a couple of songs that fit in nicely concerning our wonderful Creator God who is holy, holy, holy. Lord Almighty. And so today we're going to see, and we should re be reminded that the one sitting on the throne is worthy of our worship. That is, as we also sing, I'll go where you want me to go, that everything we do in the week to come, even if we're not going to go be a missionary, even if we're not felt led to go talk to our, our friend across the street or our neighbor or even an enemy in town, someone we don't get along with. Even in the mundane things, again, we can worship the Lord and it's done by keeping our mind right, focused upon his great glory, focused upon as well as we look next week at how we have been redeemed and what Jesus has done for us. But, Jesus, but the Lord God is still on the throne, that is, he still has power and authority. And so in the passage today, we have a bunch of prepositions that describe a location or place. And, oh, if we could paint a picture. Man, I would, you know, I'm encourage one of my daughters, maybe a couple of them, paint a picture of that first chapter, paint a picture of this. Man, I would love to hang it, even if it's not quite accurate, right? Oh, if we could see this. Wow, right? Well, let's read it. Chapter 4, verse 1. After these things, I looked, and behold, the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, the throne was standing or set in heaven, and one sitting on it, sitting on it, on the thrones, pardon me, and one sitting on the throne. And he, was, he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sargis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. 
around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. So let's dive into this passage without much more delay. Uh, the first preposition I want you to focus on is on. On. On the throne. And when I look at this, I, I think of holiness and power. But the one sitting on the throne. We find here there's a, a, a new vision first. So go back to verse 1. After these things. In, in Revelation we see this as a new uh, stage or something new is happening. And so it, it starts a new focus and and we see we have gone away from the letters to the seven churches, and many would say this is now beginning a view of what's going to take place. So we're looking at what's going to take place in the future. After these things, after these things, John is taken into heaven through an open door. The door was already open evidently as he goes through it. He's taken through it. John was commanded by a voice that sounded like a trumpet. And some would, if we would slow down and think about it, as, as some would suggest, is there an illusion here of the trumpet at Mount Sinai? The power and glory and majesty of God even proclaimed by the loudness and the emphasis of this voice to John. And so we would say it was loud like a trumpet. It's hard to, to understand anything other uh, than the loudness, but um, it, it was like a trumpet. And so this voice was one of authority. So the purpose was to show John what will happen, not only at the beginning of verse 1, after these things. 
what we see at the end of verse 1, the purpose here. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. And so, you know, there's a lot of the seven letters to the seven churches that, and we may go back and revisit it. Uh, I was wondering, well, you know, maybe I should look forward to uh, um, Valentine's Day and do a sermon on that. But then as I was reading this passage, I was like, let's just move on. Because the one that should hold our highest esteem, the one that we should love as we read as one of the great commandments, right? The greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God. And when we look upon him, there should be this great love, this great desire to worship him. And so I was brought back, and, and, and I believe that after these things, it points to the fact that there's a, this break and there's this new look at what's going to take place. And I believe this is going to take place after the rapture of the church. And so we have after these things, and he wants them to know what's going to take place after these things. And so John was immediately in the Spirit, we need to notice here as well, he was in the Spirit in heaven. That is, by the Holy Spirit he's taken there, but he's in the Spirit as well, but yet he is able to see, he is able to hear, he is emotionally there, he is there before God Almighty. I don't believe it happened because he became more spiritual. But the Spirit of God caused him to be able to see what he saw. And what did he see? He saw a throne there in heaven. That's the first thing that catches our attention. The first thing that caught his attention was a throne in heaven. Set or standing. There's some discussion about what that Greek word really means. It's not a different word from one translation to another, but what it really means. It was there. And it wasn't just a centerpiece. It was a crucial piece of the vision. And the idea is that um, there's a lot of authority and power because of that throne. But not because of that throne, but because of the one sitting on the throne. And it exemplifies the reality that God is in control. He is the king. And there's a lot of people that want to usurp that authority, isn't there? From the very beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 3, surely you will not die, right? I'm sure many of you had a lot better things to do last, I think, was it Sunday night? You know, like clean the toilet or I don't know. But maybe you caught the Grammys. Uh, there was one part where they're worshiping or they're, they're embracing Satan. Satan wants you to worship yourself and worship him. If you worship yourself or put yourself first, you're going to be putting Satan first. But Satan's not in control. Satan has never won. And he will never win. The Lord God Almighty sits upon his throne and he is in power today. He allows Satan to do what he does right now. But he is not the king. 
But back to this passage, I think the throne is very important as others point out that I've read uh, better theologians than me, uh, better students than myself. Uh, and we all as students can note down and, and I could encourage you here to, to take some time and go through this passage and, and write down how many times throne is used. I think it's 14 times in this chapter. Throne is a key word in Revelation. There's 46 times that it's used. It is, again, important as it is the seat of power and authority. More importantly, there was, there was someone, right? The one on the throne. The one sitting on it. And so this again shows authority, not inactivity in this passage. It shows authority. This shows his presence and his power. And I've said this several times. Go to verse uh, 3, the first portion of verse 3, and we find a description of what the one who sat on the throne looked like. So what does he look like? Well, Jasper. Jasper is a clear emerald, and, and many say if you go back to some of the early uses of the word in Greek, it could refer to a diamond. And in Revelation 21 11, it, we know it's very clear. And so they say it's a diamond. Well, whether it's a diamond or not, it's crystal clear, and you know what happens when light goes through a diamond. Fantastic beauty of, of rays from the spectrum of the colors is displayed. Sardius, where Sardis got its name from, is a fiery blood red ruby. And it's interesting to note, and there's a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm skipping out on that people have talked about. The great students have said, this is what it could mean, and this, and, and this is where it's used in other passages of Scripture, and this is what it reminds me of from studying the Word of God. Uh, but the only one I'm going to tell you this today is, uh, Sardis was the first, and Jasper was the last stone of the priest's breastplate. Other than that, Many point to the fact that it shows the purity, the holiness, and also in this passage of our Creator God, it's showing and it's pointing towards the fact that He will judge. His wrath will be displayed. What John describes to us points us to the one on the throne who is completely holy and powerful. And I believe if any person saw the glory of God or could get just a little glimpse of it, they would be changed forever. Everything they did would be for him without fear or dread of this world or this world's temptation. We need to look up. Are you fearful about things? There's a lot of stuff in the news. Look up. See the one who is in control. The second preposition is, is around. We looked at on, but around the throne in verses 3b, 4, and we're going to jump up to 6b and 8a because uh, it just fits nicely, nicer that way. Uh, this here, we, what's around the throne also we'll look at later. They're really focused 
toward the throne, but that's not yet. Again, here in three, the second part of verse 3, there's this rainbow around the throne, this emerald green rainbow, and it's a full circle. <laughs> the word rainbow is not just a partial view, but a full view of God. And many, many say, hey, this is a full circle of a rainbow and, and we have emerald green. I don't know how you'd paint it, okay? But in my mind, as I was reading one of the, the, the great students, they said, well, maybe it had emerald green and a little bit of tint of, of the rainbow. And anyway, it's, it's like an emerald. It's green. There's a green. And many say this shows power and God's authority again in this color. That's hard to know for sure, but just it should cause us to go, whoa, wow. There's a lot of thought about this full circle of completion. Uh, there's a lot of thought about the colors. John is simply describing, and that's why we see these prepositions, what he saw, and really what we see is the wonderful power and glory of God. Uh, verse 4, there's 20, 24 thrones and, and 24 elders. Some think that they are angels. Um, I agree with the, those who believe that it's more likely they are human representatives. Some say 12 from 12 tribes of Israel and 12 from the church. Others simply say the church. Um, at this point, I think it could be either. At this point, I believe we're looking at prophecy towards, uh, and we know the church is with the Lord Jesus for the marriage feast of the Lamb at the time of the tribulation, that these are uh, representatives from the church. Anyway, the other reason is because they have white garments. What did we read in the last couple of chapters? Right? The white garments. They're not the one, they're not, they're not the, the, those who are tribulation saints who have died because they're not there yet. They also have a crown of victory. Remember what we talked about, overcome, victory, uh, this is a crown of, of victory. There are several different crowns that are uh, spoken of, and the word for the crown is the one that they would win. But these thrones also means authority, and it's never said of angels that they would have authority, but that the church would reign with him. But there's a lot of people who disagree. <laughs> That are a lot smarter than I am. But what we see, more importantly, is their focus. We'll get to that in a minute. But there's also these four beasts or creatures or beings. Zoa, in verse 6 and 8, like those in other visions before the throne, like in Ezekiel, uh, some speculate, well, uh, John just saw one portion of them in Ezekiel. Each one had the four faces. And so from his perspective, he saw the different sides from the perspective as they were focused in on the throne. But there's other passages here in Revelation where we find that he sees what they do. But they're full of eyes like Ezekiel's in his vision. This shows their creaturely wisdom. 
More, most importantly is that of their position before the throne and the worship song. We believe that there, some would say, oh, they're kind of like the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6 saying the same thing. Others say cherubim. Ezekiel 10, 15 through 20. Either way, they're angels. They represent creation, some say. There's a lion. Some would say it's a, a wild creatures, calf, domestic animals, or the power of the ox, man, reason, the flying eagle speed. But then we could get into, and we're not going to take the time, early church on down. Many said they look to represent each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the different ways that they represent. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of good thoughts. But what we need to see is that which they are made for, created by God for, and that is to worship and obey Him. And God is the God, the God of the Bible is the God of creation. He is mighty and in control. The next preposition, I know we're flying through this. I may not have given you any concrete answers on some of this. It is from the throne. What comes from the throne? Look at 5a. Let me read this again. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. There was lightning. There were sounds. There were peals of thunder. And many point to the fact there is going to be perfect judgment. God is not idle. He has power. The only thing it reminds me of is the summer when I was in the tent camping uh, during 4th of July, and there were some thunderstorms up by the dismal that came through, and when I was awake, I was praying. <laughs> it put fear and awe within me. One, I was like, I hope it won't hail. Well, two, uh, I hope it doesn't start a fire, because it was surely, it was still pretty dry. And third, uh, I'm pretty low, but that would not be fun to go being struck by lightning. And I couldn't decide whether hail or lightning would be better. But anyway, it caused me to pray all night. I'd about drift to sleep and I'd be awakened by either a flash that was really bright or the sound. And there's a lot of things we may not understand or be able to grasp but we should, from this passage, but we should not underestimate the power of God. Amen? Are you fearful today? Look up. Do you neglect the reality that God will judge? Reset your thinking to trust in Him and obey Him. And so... From the throne comes power and authority. God will judge. God will judge. The fourth preposition here in this passage. There's more prepositions than that, but these are the key ones, I believe. 
The fourth preposition is before, before the throne. Verse 5 and 6. Again, I want to point to his perfect judgment. There's seven lamps. If we had time, we would take note of the same item seen here compared to the temple. It is to be noted that seven is a number of completion or perfection. And we have the seven spirits of God, the Holy Spirit, who is perfect. And we've talked about that before. But know that God is perfect in all his ways. And we need to note again that we serve a triune God. One God, three distinct persons. But we also need to take note of something like a sea of glass in this passage. It says something like a sea of glass. Uh, many, many speculate that this points to how God is separate from his creation and his purity and absolute holiness. So it is a clear, crystalline glass with some hints of color. But his purity and its absolute holiness. The sea of glass is like what Ezekiel saw. There's some other speculations that I'm not going to get into. Or some thoughts. But what we need to know is God is perfect. He is distinct. He is set apart. He is worthy of our worship. And if we saw this, we would fall down like the 24 elders in worship. And so let's come to the last or final preposition toward, and I think this is crucial, not more important than who God is and, and how, how we should see him, but our response is just as important, Right? If we, have a clear, if we have a good theology, if we have a clear vision of the greatness and majesty of God, the power and authority and the judgment, his ability to judge and that he will judge, and I think one crucial key aspect of this passage is this is setting the stage of where the judgments will take place, where they're going to be open. And so the, the scroll with the seven seals will be ushered in here and begin the judgments. And that's why we continue to look back and say these, these colors remind us and this reminds us the power and the throne and the lightning and the thunder remind us that God is going to judge and in this vision we see he's about to judge. But the final preposition is crucial in, that I, in understanding that we are to worship him. We're to worship him. And so what we see here are two Two songs, right? The first song in verse 8, let me read that for you again. In verse 8, the second part, and I didn't mention the wings. <laughs> Go back to Isaiah and make a comparison, all right? Uh, these living creatures, these angels, I believe, these cherubim, are always active, always worshiping the Lord. And the only time they're not worshiping the Lord is when they're carrying out certain tasks. But we see that they're singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And see, we, we see holy, holy, holy said three times, and some argue that this is because of the trini triune God. We have Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Others say it's just to emphasize uh, the reality that God is set apart, he is perfect, he is holy. We also see the Lord God, only one true God. 
right? One God, three distinct persons. Co-equal, co-eternal. But one, only one true God. And people want to worship themselves. People even today are openly, and maybe they're trying to be funny. Maybe they're trying to get, oh, those with Judeo-Christian values riled up. I don't think so. I think they're so stuck in their way that they don't realize what they're doing as they do this little play on, on stage where they're worshiping and bowing down to Satan and embracing him, right? There is no other God. Satan is not God. He is the prince of the power of the air. He has some authority. He is powerful. He, he roams around like a roaring lion. He is a serious adversary, but he is not God and he is not in control. Amen. And so we must remember that. And there are many other gods under the guise of different things, but they're all still bowing down to the one false god, Satan, and his minions. And so we need to understand there's only one true God, the Lord God Almighty. Almighty. He has complete power. He is omnipotent. Omnipotence, right? He's all-powerful. It goes on to say, who was, who is, and who is to come. And I found it interesting that who was and who is is in different uh, setup from Revelation 1.8. So here we have... Uh, in this passage, uh, who was and who is. In that passage, who is and who was. And so there's just this simple uh, thought that perhaps he's looking back that God has always been and there's an emphasis that God has always been and he always will be the one who is in control. But it also points to his, how he is eternal. He is eternal. He has always had power, but he is also eternal. But also, he has a steadfast faithfulness. What he said he was going to do, he's going to do. In my notes, I got ahead of myself just a little bit. I go back to the, the four living creatures. But it's important for us to be reminded that they're there always worshiping the Lord God except for when they're doing their other tasks, as we'll see in Revelation. The other aspect is that they start out or lead the worship chorus. There may be two different songs here, but they start out, and in response we see the 24 elders follow in worship. And these 24 elders, they prostrate themselves before the Lord. They fall down before him. And they cast their crowns at his feet, the crowns of victory at his feet. And they worship their creator and they sing, note verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. And so this whole passage, many say, this is focused on our God, our creator, especially when you look at verse 11. And so how do we apply this? I mean, I would love to paint a picture of this. I'm not talented enough. And I think even the best artists in the world would not get it right. But just to have a picture would be glorious, Right? But how do we apply this? I think in our day and age, we, we need to be reminded 
that no matter how bad it is, no matter what's going on in our culture, or maybe no matter how good it's going, we need to look up. We need to keep our eyes upon the one who rules, the one who is sitting on the throne. God reigns. Remember that. Secondly, bear up from numbers three and four above. God will judge. Many have made the statement over and over again, we know who wins in the end. Well, we know who rules today. Yes, and we know we have the victory. Bear up under the pressure, keeping your eyes on the one who is in control. And if you're struggling, go back to Romans chapter 8 and remember everything has a purpose, his good purpose. Do you trust him? Third, maybe most important, worship him from number five above. Worship him in everything. What's most important in your life? Do you care to worship the Lord? I struggle with putting, doing things when I could be focused on the Lord or the Word. When I have some free time, it's good to relax. It's, it's great to do things that you like to do. But make sure you're spending time every day. Make sure you never lose sight of the Lord, but also make sure you spend time every day looking to his word and giving him praise. Let's pray. Lord, I am not even worthy to be able